Okay. Anyone watch the fireworks on TV? Yeah. Did you watch the Melbourne or the Sydney? We just had it on Sydney. Did they have any in Melbourne? Yeah. yeah were they any good? Yeah. Anyone have fireworks around their home? Yeah. Were, was any, were anyone, like, were any of you the instigators of those fireworks around your home? <laughs> well, come in, please. No. <laughs> Uh, for those that are at home, we welcome you with us here to Family Life Church. And um, I, I actually, there's a couple of seasons that I really love during the year. Um, one of those is Christmas. I, I, I love the wonderful opportunity we have together as family, which is generally what I, what I believe, you know, sweeping comment. You know, it's about family and gathering with family. I, I love the fact that Judy shared that, you know, she had the best Christmas she's had since a child. You know, where there was all people together, there was no arguing. In an Italian home, it's not arguing, there's just loud voices. You know, <laughs> it's just the way it is. But I, I, I love that sense. I, I love sharing. Um, we just had communion. I love sharing uh, and, and celebrating Easter, where we look at the, the Lord's death and his resurrection. But another very special day for me is, is for us, is our calendar year, the beginning of a brand new year, where we get to, to look ahead, where we get to to sit with the Lord and, and ask him what our, you know, what goals does he have for, for us? You know, what's his will for us over the next 12 months? I love this time of year because we can actually really set ourselves up spiritually for a phenomenal year if we sit with the Lord, you know. Every year doesn't have to be the same, doesn't need to look the same. We can actually be really attentive to what God has for us. And so I, I, I want to try to... Uh, preempt some of that because I think the the catalyst for for Christmas is it points to Jesus you know I mean all of these things really should point to Jesus and I love the fact that we're totally focused on Jesus so now we are at the beginning of a brand new year what does that year look like for us what should you and I be praying for this year like what should we be praying for you know what should be the priorities in our prayer life this year and and I think the whole Christmas narrative actually gives us insight into some of that stuff. So I'm going to talk about three things that I think we all should be praying for, for this year. And, and, and I guess if you will, we're going to construct that prayer list of those three things. And my prayer is, I guess, if while I'm talking, the Lord prompts you with something personal for your own life, then make sure you have that in your prayer list for this year. You know, if something gets highlighted, if a picture comes, you know, make sure you grab hold of that because I do believe that God wants to speak to us today. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep going with Luke. On um, Christmas Eve, we looked at Mary's song, Mary's prayer. But what we're going to look at today is Zachariah's song, Zachariah's prayer. So we're going to turn to um, Luke chapter 1, verse 67 and 69. But before I read, what I want you to, to pick up right from the very beginning about this man, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, is that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah? I praise God that we're in a church that believes in the Holy Spirit. I praise God that we're in a church that allows room for Holy Spirit to move. Because the Holy Spirit was sent back. Jesus is in heaven. 
Yeah? The Holy Spirit sent here to comfort us, to guide us, to speak with us, to bring fresh and new revelation for us. I praise God that we're in a place that actually affirms that yeah? and moves with Holy Spirit like that because even then, Zechariah was a man filled with the Spirit. So Luke chapter 1, verse 67 to 69, and it reads, His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And basically, here comes the prayer that he prays. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors, to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. That's really important. I'm going to talk about that later. Verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And now he's about to address, he's gone from this particular prayer, now he addresses his son. And you, my child will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of their tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the path of peace. I, I, I love this passage of Scripture, and I love that last song that we just sang because if you think about the lyrics and this was in no way orchestrated so I had no idea what they were what they were singing today I, I never really do I don't ask um, a, a lot of what we sang comes out of this particular prayer this Zechariah prayer and it's a really important part of the Christmas story yeah, I know we're talking about the beginning of the year but it's an important part of the Christmas story who, who remembers the Jesus movie called the nativity story yeah, from about 2005, 2006 it was released. It, it, it seems to be one of the more real, more authentic of, of the myriad of Christmas movies that are out there um, about Jesus. I, I think some of that's because they used you know, local cast, people that were, were native to the Middle East. They, they did that. Anyway, the, the whole story of this, this movie, the Nativity story, it, it actually begins right at this point. It starts right, right now it, it, with Zechariah, the priest of the Lord, serving in the temple. This is it's where the movie starts. And, and if you watch the movie, you get a sense of the, the sacrifices that have been made. You get a sense of the, the holiness. You get a, a sense of the, the awesomeness of God in it. But it's also a kind of ordinary day as well because they're just going through the motion, really. You know, um, They're not really expecting God to break in at any particular point. But there, at that moment, that's when the angel appears and, and, and speaks to Zechariah and says, you're going to have a son. You know, That would be pretty freaky, I reckon. Then, of course, we know the story because Zechariah finds himself so overwhelmed that he can't speak, so much so that he actually doesn't speak at all until he utters the name of his son, John. Yeah. So Zechariah was a priest. He's a, he's a godly, spirit-filled man serving the Lord according to the Old Testament. Yeah, The Old Testament, before Jesus. 
And the light of Jesus hasn't actually come and, 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 and shone fully into his life yet. And, and a part of, a part of that, that passage says to, verse 79 says, to shine on those living in darkness. And it's almost as if he's, he's not living in darkness, but he's seen through a dark glass. He, he's not yet experienced Jesus. By the time we get to chapter 2 of Luke, Simeon, on the other hand, can, can utter the words, my eyes have seen the glory. You know, I've seen the light. You know, Simeon was able to say that, but, but Zechariah was not, not able to say that. He, he couldn't say that. But there's something about Zechariah, like Mary when she got the news about Jesus, instead of being, I guess, focused on everything that could be wrong, she celebrated and, and, and rejoiced and praised God for that, for that pregnancy, Zechariah's excited about the birth of his son. He's excited. And he's excited because of one thing. He knows that his son is going to point the way to Jesus. So if you and I, as we come out of Christmas, all of our celebration, all of our eating, all of our gifts, all of our friends and family, if there's anything that we take out of Christmas, it should be that everything points to Jesus. The whole role of John the Baptist was to point people to Jesus. Amen? So if that's John the Baptist's role, what's the role of a Christian? What's the point of celebrating Christmas? It's to point people to Jesus. Our role, here we are at the beginning of 2023, and our role as we live our lives is to point people to Jesus. To be able to say, hey, look, there's, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's why Zechariah is getting excited. He's not going to be the father of Jesus, but he is going to be the father of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist points people to Jesus. So John the Baptist is born and here's Zechariah's prayer. You know, did you actually know, just on a, a, a side bit, some say that, that John was, was more the, the, the true high priest, or I should say um, Zechariah was more the true high priest than Annas or Sapphires. Like we hear about Annas and Sapphires you know, in the story as, as the, the you know, children are born who almost have like a dynasty under themselves, but they didn't have, they suggest they didn't have the legitimate credentials to be high priests. And some theologians have actually thought that, that, that it was Zechariah that may actually have been the true high priest. Anyway, in one sense it doesn't matter. What we do know is that you can't keep a good man down. And, and Father God, through... Through, through his plan, has, has these special plans for John the Baptist. And it doesn't matter what office or what title anyone carried, even John. They know, and we know that Jesus honoured John. John was actually the last, the last of the real prophets yeah, of that day. The real role of John the Baptist as a prophet was to point to Jesus. And if at the end of our days, think about it, people can say, you know what? Fiona pointed people to Jesus. John pointed people to Jesus. Christine pointed... If, if people could say that about us, that's not a bad legacy to leave, is it? 
I, I remember them. They always talked about Jesus. They kept pointing to, to Jesus. They kept wanting to bring people to Jesus. That's not a bad legacy. It's not a bad way to be remembered. So, so in this context, having set the scene, what is it that Zechariah prays for and, and praises for? And this is the beginning of our prayer list, if you will. But the first thing, it's, it's totally dripping with it, really, is salvation. Like salvation. At the beginning of the year, we need to be a people that are praying, like Zechariah, for salvation. Verse 68 says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. I, I read a story recently about a man who actually bought, the word bought, last night we had some people at our place and one person kept using the word brought instead of bought and their partner kept correcting them. We thought it was going to be fisticuffs over the table. It was going to be fun. But anyway, I know you don't really care about that. No one makes that mistake with bought and brought, but it happens in our house. Just like, you know, um, shutting the lights and turning on the windows. Anyway, um, no one knows what that means. You have to be brought up in a tan, I guess. Anyway, there's this story about this man, you know, and he's, he's bought his daughters back from the slave market and really what he's done, when he paid that ransom price, he was redeeming his daughters back, yeah? Redemption is one of those actually beautiful Bible words that, that we, we probably don't use it enough, but it means that God has come to buy his people back. And we know that he's going to do that through the cross. Yeah? So the, you've got this thing of redemption happening, salvation happening. Now, I, with that as a base, I've got to ask a question that seems out of place. Have you ever wondered why we say to people, you know, when, when they've passed away, rest in peace? Have you ever wondered why you, we actually say that? Rest in peace. They die, rest in peace. Rest in peace, you hear it a lot. But here's one thing I'm learning. We can't judge anybody's life. Do we really know that they're going to rest in peace? Maybe we do, maybe we don't, for some. yeah. But we don't know what takes place even in the final moments. You know, I remember when Mel was going through that stuff with her dad, when her dad was, was, was deathly ill, he wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with Jesus. And then a few months out in one of her visits, you've got to, 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 to give context that people don't know the story, at one point when Mel was there with, he, with her dad and he was sit, like, he's dying ill. Dad, can I pray for you? No. No, you cannot. A few months later, he's even more dying, more sickly, more thin, closer to go going somewhere. And Mel says, Dad, you know, there's, I want to pray for you. There's this Jesus. Can I pray for you? And they start praying and then he accepts the Lord. We don't know. We don't know what God's going to do in the final moment of a man's life. Even if we've struggled with our Christianity for 80 years and someone on their deathbed accepts Jesus, don't be jealous that they get home to heaven. We don't know what God's going to do. Yet we have this saying that says, rest in peace. I'm not really sure why we say that, especially in Hebrews, where it says in chapter 9, verse 27, just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment. We don't know what God's going to do. They die and face judgment. God makes the call. So it's not for us to judge at all. It's not for us to make any comment. Someone has died, and what happens next? They're going to 
stand before the Lord and they will either be saved or be lost. You know, the Bible is very clear about that. And I think in setting up how we're going to pray this year, we need to be reminded sometimes of a truth that we're aware of. Because there's a line that goes through this church, there's a line that goes through our community, it goes through the nation, it goes through the world, and the line's very clear. And one side of that line we're saved, and the other side of the line are those that are lost. You know, Jesus said that there are sheep and there are goats. It says that in Matthew 25, doesn't it? Verse 31 to 33. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. He talked about a broad way, didn't he? He talked about a narrow way. In Matthew, again, 7.13, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. You know, those scriptures, as scary as they are, should motivate us in our prayer life, not just at the beginning of the year, but at the beginning of a week and the beginning of a month. To know what we should pray for. Thank God for all of us that have been saved. Thank God for those that have been saved in this church and, and other churches, for those that have been saved at home on buses, in, in, in car parks, at beaches. People that have been saved, thanks, thank God for them. God sees all the people in the world as his children. Yet he also sees all his children as, as those that are his and those that are not his. And in that sense, I mean either his children that know him or, children, or, or there are children that don't. That's an important truth for you and I to hold on to at the beginning of 2023, as tough as it may sound. But this is why Zechariah is celebrating. Because his son, John the Baptist, is going to cry out, there he is, there's the Lamb of God. He's the one that takes away the sin of the world. He's the, he's the one that can save us. And he cries out, Jesus, it's Jesus. And we know that Jesus has come and he's going to come again, amen? And the light will shine in the darkness. And yes, he dies on a cross first time around. But that was part of the plan, yeah? Part of the sacrifice for our sins. But more than that, he gets raised to life again, opening a door for family and relationship with his father. Salvation has come. You know, people often ask, where's this loving, this God of love? He's already here and his name's Jesus. It's not our fault that some Christians struggle to show the love of God. You know what I mean? You ever met people like that? that you wonder why and you want to slap them. You never meet anyone like that? I, I do. I think, come on, man. You're better than that. No one's going to want the God that you're, you know, you're throwing out there. We need to pray and pray and pray. It's our task. It's our role to tell people about Jesus, to pray for salvation. Pray first that we're saved, and then if we are saved, praise God, now let's pray and let's ask him to help us live a life like him and be more like him in everything we do, everything we say. Amen? And let's be burdened for those that don't know him. And let's be burdened for those that don't know him. 
Because if they don't know him, they don't have an eternity, an eternity that's assured in heaven. Their eternity is totally unassured, separated from God from eternity. No love, no nothing. You can call it hell if you like. We should be burdened for the lost. I love, I love, I love, I love, I love a line from one of the uh, uh, Avengers movies. And Anyway, Loki. If you know Loki, the god of mischief. So you nothing to do with the Bible. But in the movie, there's this great line where he says, I am burdened with a glorious purpose. Like, it's awesome. It is such, like it's a well-written line delivered perfectly at the right time. You and I should be burdened for the lost. You and I should be burdened with a glorious purpose of getting men and women who don't know Jesus into the kingdom. That is a glorious purpose to be burdened with, I reckon. You know, one of the biggest needs in our community, and look, there's, a, there's lots of needs. There's homeless, there's, there's, there's just, there's drugs, there's single parent homes, there's children without homes, there, there, there's a stack of stuff. So, you know, we probably have a different view and opinion on a stack of the needs that are in Ballarat. But Tim Woodroff once said the biggest issue in our community, he's talking in general, right, is lostness. There are people in our community that don't know Jesus. That tells me and guides me how to, how to pray, what, my, what the priority in my prayers should be, particularly at the beginning of, of a new year. There are lots of other priorities, but the greatest thing, it's got to be the greatest thing we need to pray for is the lost to be found. Because people can have a million dollars, people can have the best marriage, the best car, the best jobs, and not have Jesus. And without Jesus, their eternity is not assured like ours. And we may wave and shake their hands and say, good on you, bless you, that's great, dude. But where they finish is not very nice. The greatest thing we need to pray for is the lost to be found. And if we're found, if we're in the light, don't we want to walk in the light? Don't we want to be more like Jesus? Don't we want to live as Jesus has called us to live? So when we pray for salvation, we're not just praying to, to get a ticket to heaven, though that's nice. Yeah? <laughs> no, we're, we're actually talking about lives being transformed, lives being changed. And you know what? We're excited about the things of God. We're living completely for Jesus because salvation has come and we want to do the will of God. I don't understand how people can't, can't celebrate or get excited about the things of God. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I can hypothesize. I can come up with my own opinions and thoughts. But I don't get it. Because if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you know, I've shared a really bad analogy millions of times. My, lasagna, my mum's lasagna is so good. When I see it, I want more of it. If God is so good, if we've tasted and seen that he's good, how can we not want more of him? How can we not want to share him with those that are around us? You know, we've praised him, we've worshipped him, we've celebrated the reason for the season and it was so sweet last week when we all came together in just boisterous and boisterous praise and we, 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 we just, it was such a sweet place where Holy Spirit is always present but it was so lovely. But even with all that celebration, there's still the need of, you know, of lostness in our community. 
You know, maybe there's also a great need for followers of Jesus to be excited again. You know, people that walk into church and actually smile because they want to be there. You know, heaven forbid. Where are you in church? Well, because I have to. It's what I do. Come every week. It's how I was brought up. Wow. I want to follow that, God. Mate, excited again about the things of God first. Excited to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things, the Bible suggests, will be added. Yeah? Sometimes we can get so consumed about all the other things that you and I can forget that the greatest thing of all is to know Jesus. There's, there's nothing more exciting than reading the word. And I know that reading the word, oh, I know I'm going to get stoned by someone. Sometimes reading the word can be a little bit monotonous and boring. Anyone ever experienced that? I know it's alive and well, but there are times where we're human. But every once in a while, something jumps out from the page. And it's like, oh, I was going to say, Jesus, no, you can't, can't use his name like that. And I can't use the other word, like, just shivers. That's awesome. That's so good. I've never seen that before. And you, you start scribbling it down and you write it. And then, so you start reading around it thinking, oh, wow. That's, and you, inside of us, our spirit all of a sudden gets so overwhelmed with joy that we, we keep reading because God's done something in us at that moment. It's like when you share your faith with someone and they actually say yes to Jesus, there's this excitement that you... I, I can't explain it to you, but for those of you that have actually witnessed to someone and had them say yes to Jesus, to accept him and walk with him and come to church, there's an excitement inside you because your spirit's testifying and it's celebrating. Maybe, just maybe, we need to get excited about the things of God again and not just the preacher with the microphone. Maybe truly excited. Let's get back to praying for the lost to be found, for those that have been found to be excited again. You know, verse 74 says, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear. It talks about a rescue from the hand of the enemy. To be saved is to be rescued back from the devil. Do you understand? I mean, that's, that's a celebration. I mean, to be rescued. To be rescued from God had a plan. The devil wrecked it, but we're rescued. We're pulled out of that. We're totally in a new space. But in re realizing that space, we need to know too that there's an enemy that works against us. And he'll try to trip us up. You know, even during Christmas Eve, we talked about Herod, how he would chase Mary and chase Jesus. And it was Herod's grandson. We got Herod's grandson. We got Zechariah, the father. You know, he's, he's praising God because of his son that's coming, John the Baptist. And then Herod's grandson decides to take his head. Wow, there's an end of life. <laughs> I want to say this. A sign of a saved person is this that they will come under attack somewhere and somehow. Not because God does it, but because we have an enemy. You've got to understand that. You and I have an enemy. If you don't believe there's an enemy, stop reading the Bible, close it, don't come back to church. Because we have an enemy. And because we have an enemy, we will come under attack. But the truth is that Father God will always deliver us. He will deliver us in some way.
The word promises that. A sign of, a, of God's man is that he will be attacked. A sign of God's woman is that they will be attacked. People will experience that. I'm assuming that in some of her journey, Jess probably has experienced that overseas. I'm sure, I know in fact, that our friends, the Parkers, Scott and Jen, while they've been in different countries, have experienced that attack. Yeah? You'll experience it. You'll experience it in prison ministry, youth ministry, in life. In fam- You'll experience it. The list can go on. And sometimes it's an attack on our health. Sometimes it's on our finances. Sometimes it's in our spirit. Sometimes it's an attack on our family. Sometimes it's, it can be just life, but sometimes it's a legitimate an attack from the enemy. And we need to be aware so we know how to pray. Now, let's not be naive going into 2023. What does it say in Ephesians 6.12? We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let me encourage you, a sign of a man or woman of God is that they will come under attack, but the Lord will deliver them from every attack if we rest and trust in him. So if you've never been persecuted or, or, or oppressed, thank God. Thank God that you haven't. <laughs> but if you have, if you legitimately have been persecuted or oppressed, thank God because your deliverance is coming. Yeah? Either way, we thank God. Verse 76 says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. What I love about Zechariah here is that he's not saying, hey, look at my kid. My kid's better than your kid. He's not saying that. I mean, at the end of the day, we all want our kids to do well. I want my boys, my daughters, I want them all to do well. But I love the way that he says it's not about John. It's not about him. But what it is about is he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. And that's really cool. And isn't that what we want from our young people? Isn't that what we want for our youth ministry, young adults ministry, family ministries, children ministry? Is for those, those kids to, to rise up and rise up in a way that Jesus is always greater. Jesus is always number one. It's not about their achievements and accomplishments as great as they will be. And we're going to, let's face it, we're going to celebrate with them when those things come. But it's all about knowing Jesus. So in 2023, what does that look like for us? Well, we need to be praying. And we need to be thanking God for our salvation and the salvation for others. And we need to be walking in the light. And we need to be excited about the things of God. Almost should get you all to punch the person on your right and say, get excited about the things of God, you know. But don't, please. You know, and we should be praying that others will come to know Jesus and walk in that way. Verse 30, 34, the second thing you and I we need to pray for is this, is service. We actually need to, at the beginning of a new year, we're praying for salvation. We're praying for the lost to discover Jesus. We're praying that you and I will actually walk and talk like him, but we're also praying for this, for service. Because verse 74 says, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. Man, to serve him without fear. That doesn't mean just, by the way, I'm putting it out there right now, and particularly for those that are at home, not just in the four walls of the church. But heck, it helps. 
but it's wherever he's called you to serve him without fear. And yet the devil will try to place fear on anything and everything he's called you to. Whenever, whenever you have a bold dream, whenever you have a, a, a bold vision, the enemy will try to pour fear all over it. He does all the time. You can't do that. We've never done that before. That's impossible. Don't even think about it. Who do you think you are? No matter what's happening around us, we're called to serve God without fear. So can I encourage you, at the beginning of the year, start to pray now that God will give you a bold vision for 2023. Start to pray now that God will give you a faith-filled vision for this year. You're not, you and I aren't on this earth just to do more online shopping, as much fun as that is. Yeah? We're not here to accumulate more stuff even though we all like stuff and we all accumulate it and when we move house, we realise how much we have, yeah? It's not even just to make it through another day. It's not about just, you know, raising our kids and making sure that they grow up to be as good as they can. They're all good things. It's not about renovating your home or, 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 or landscaping your backyard or putting up a new shed. All of those things are good, but it's not about that stuff. Our purpose is to serve the living God without fear. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be taken care of. You know, when Father God gives you a bold vision, when he gives you that faith-filled vision, you and I still, I love that Christmas continues to talk to us. It's amazing how God does this because now, now we've got Zechariah's prayer, his song, what we're, what we're reading from, but now we can actually learn from his wife as well. We can learn from Elizabeth because in verse 24 in chapter 1 it says, After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion. Have you ever wondered why she remained in seclusion for five months? Like, have you ever sat and pondered that? I mean, she and Zachariah were already old, it says. They were barren and they were already old. <laughs> they presumed, as did everyone else in their life, in their circle, that they wouldn't have kids, I reckon. Because I know with my mum and dad, they were married for 13 years without children. So they accepted before I came along as the, they use the word mistake, I use the word miracle, right? So after 13 years when I came along, they were surprised because they had within themselves and everybody else accepted that they weren't going to have kids. Could you imagine at their age telling people, you know what, an angel told me I'm pregnant. Could you imagine the ridicule? Seriously, think about it. The, the ridicule, the way that she would have been laughed at. You know, some would have tried to humiliate her and embarrass her, I reckon. Just these are my thoughts on why did she seclude herself for five months. Others would have reminded her, do you know how dangerous it is to have a child at this age, at your age? You shouldn't be doing that. You can't afford to do it. I don't even think you've got the strength to do it. You can't even clean your home. I don't think this is a good idea for you, Elizabeth. Maybe you should let this one go. But you know what she does? She shows wisdom, secludes herself for five months. What she did was she removed those from her life that would speak death. 
she removed from her life the negative influences that people can have on the word of God when it's spoken into your life. So for you and I, when God gives us a bold vision, like a dream, a faith-filled dream, yes, share it with those that you trust that will come alongside you and champion you, but sometimes we need to seclude ourselves from the yo-yos, bananas, the naysays, the the non-believers that are actually just going to talk death into the vision that God's given us and do their best to make sure that it never comes up into fruition. So this year, pray for salvation. Pray that we walk and talk like him. Pray that people discover Jesus and they too get saved. But pray for a vision that you can walk into with courage. But show wisdom and seclude yourself from those that are never going to get what God's spoken into your life. My mum never understood when I said I was going to Bible college. Why? In Italian, she would say, do you want to be a priest? Well, no, no, not a priest, Mum. I, I want to get married. I like, well, I think I like sex, you know. Like, I want to get into all of that. I wasn't always a Christian. Anyway, that doesn't matter. The point is, yeah, that, that not everyone's going to grab hold of your vision and your dream and run with it. Sometimes you've got to seclude yourself. You know, you, you can't criticise and serve at the same time. It's not possible. So we're supposed to serve him. Yeah, without fear. And when you're serving, you're focused on what you're doing before the Lord. There's a story during the American Revolution that a man in civilian clothes, you'll love this, rode past a group of soldiers repairing a defensive barrier. The leader was shouting instructions, but was making no attempt to help them. Asked why by the rider, the leader retorted with great dignity, Sir, I'm a corporal. The stranger apologised, dismounted and proceeded to help the exhausted soldiers. The job done, he turned to the corporal that was doing nothing and said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief and I will come and help you again. It was George Washington. Yeah. We've got to serve without fear. We've got to serve without fear. Great people serve without fear. Yeah? And because I'm out of time, (laughs) the last thing that you and I need to pray for is serenity. We need to pray for service. We need to pray for salvation, you know? But we need to pray for serenity. Verse 79 says, To shine on those living in dark places and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. What are the paths of peace? Because let's be, let's be realistic. As we walk through this life, we walk through storms. Don't we? We go through storms. But we need to be able to pray that God gives us the grace to have serenity and calm in the midst of our storm. And serenity doesn't mean that we join a, a monastery. <laughs> serenity doesn't mean that we get into some Eastern meditation, we hide ourselves. It doesn't mean that. You know, we don't withdraw from the world and deny the world. We don't do that. I love the fact that God came into the world through his son, Jesus, and his son calmed the storm. His son calmed troubled minds. You know, I pray for all those that are here today, those that are uh, watching and listening at home that have troubled minds, that you would have peace today, truly. 
that you would have peace today, that God would grant you, you know, peace, free from anxiety, free from fear. You know, we often, often we need to pray for peace because it doesn't come naturally, does it? Well, for me, it doesn't come naturally. <laughs> when there's problems, pressures, when there's strain, it's really easy to get anxious. It's easy for a natural human reaction. Mel was telling a story the other day. We were with some friends. My kids were there. And um, I wasn't privy to the conversation, but I think they were suggesting that this particular husband was a bit tired and needed to take a break. I walk in in the midst of this conversation and Melanie looks at me. She goes, like him. Like him. Him? The name's Andrew. <laughs> like him. Because sometimes he's at home and like something will happen. I go, like what? She goes, Nathan will touch your shoulder. And as he touches your shoulder, you're like, <laughs> She was trying to say, hey, you need some peace. You need some serenity. You need some rest. You need to take a break. All of us in this year need some serenity. We need to take a break. We need some peace so we don't blow up like an ogre. She... She actually repeated that little scenario about three or four times. And everybody in that room, bar me, was laughing their head off. She goes, yeah, it's like, rah! She's probably at home. My wife's unwell today. She's probably at home now laughing, thinking that's exactly what you're like. <laughs> we need to pray for serenity. We need to pray for peace. When things aren't going well, you can feel the anxiety rising. Pray. It's okay to pray specifically for God to help us, for things to work out. Sometimes we've got to name it before the Lord and then pray for peace to come. Pray that we'd remain calm. Pray that our character will still be Christ-like in the midst of the storm. Amen. Why don't we stand? <laughs> and let's pray. So everyone, if you could, get into your prayer posture. Close your eyes. Do what you need to do to focus on the living God, yeah? You know, it's a lot of those mini moments that we go through, those mini storms, if you will, that, that we bring to God in prayer that we need to speak out. But yet it's not just about the moment. It's not just about the storm. It's the peace would come, that we would continually remain calm and Christ-like. So as we move into this new year, I know this, that hurt people hurt people. But in the same breath, peaceful people end up being agents of peace, particularly when our hearts are at peace. So for you and I, the three things that we really need to pray for the beginning of 2023 with whatever else that God gives to you in your personal, intimate relationship with Jesus is to pray for salvation for you and for others to pray for service, that we would serve him when he calls us with a bold vision, with a faith-filled vision to serve him without fear. But in that, that we would be able to step out in peace and have calm and serenity in our lives so those around us would actually receive that. Amen. So, Father, do a work this day in us all. Lord, as we pray, as we pray, God, for the lost, as we pray for ourselves, as we, we, we open ourselves up to all that you have for us, that you would burden us, Lord God, a people with a glorious purpose. Father, that we would step into that without fear. 
But Lord, in all of that, whatever faith is required, that we would have a peace that surpasses understanding, that serenity would come, that we would truly be your hands and feet extended, that people would discover Jesus, Lord, through us, through our words, when they're around us, through the things that we do and the things that we say. We just love you. We thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. We thank you for John the Baptist and his family that pointed to Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that we can follow in their footsteps in this 2023. And all these people said, Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful day in Jesus' name.